still, it was a, it made the tournament way more interesting. Definitely did. It definitely did. CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source for Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, April the 6th, just one day off the greatest day of the year. Um, obviously, there's a um, you know uh, a lot to, to talk about from the college basketball season uh, coming out of the, the Final Four and everything that was. Uh, it is the anniversary of UVA's miraculous sort of come-from-behind win against uh, Auburn in the Final Four. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about basketball in the last few days and watching a lot of basketball for obvious reasons in the last couple of weeks. And I think that tonight's probably the best time to, to have the conversation about basketball recruiting. Certainly there's uh, at least one portal dis- decision that has come in since we last recorded, which we will no doubt have to discuss. Um, so if, if basketball recruiting and, and like a big picture sort of stuff is not your bag, um, maybe, maybe this isn't the episode for you, but we'll see. I also fully uh uh expect that there there could be a curveball or two just uh, once we get this thing off the ground so let's let's see what happens um before we get started let's go around and introduce everybody first up in fishersville back david spence is back on the show how's it going my friend hey the week off is what i needed man appreciate appreciate you guys right you know keeping the ship steady while i was gone but <laughs> i'm back with very little insight so who days on the board at who days on twitter it's always a good thing when somebody on a podcast begins in the first minute and a half and tells you that they don't have any insight. That's always that's always a good sell. That's what that's what I think in the industry we call a tease. Um, up in Loudon, staff writer Jester Ferber is also on back on the program. What's going on, my dude? I'm surprised to hear Dave here uh, say that because I hear that we're full of hot air these days. Wow. <laughs> Add Justin <laughs> underscore Ferber on Twitter. Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional Woody Banter. Um, Damon Dillman, managing editor, is at the baseball game tonight and therefore is not on the program, but will return here soon. Um, all right, so Igor Milicic uh, uh, is, is in the portal, leaving UVA reportedly. Um, a, a tough one, you know, in a lot of ways, because whereas some sometimes you see kids go in the portal and you think, man, that's probably a good decision for, you know, for him and probably for the team, right? Like, that just happens sometimes. You have guys who it, it kind of it's beneficial for both. Um, this one this one stings because he's a kid with a lot of potential, you know, um, who I think, and this is, you know, I, 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 I'm going to preface what I'm about to say by saying that um, this is not coming from anybody with direct, you know, I'm not, this is not me um, parroting anything. But I watched him, you know, for part of the season warm up with the, the guards and then switch over and start warming up with the bigs. And I'm just curious in – in, in seeing him, if maybe he thought, you know what, I want to go somewhere that kind of sees me as more of a, a of a wing, of a guy who who's going to do a lot more of the shooting part of things, not doing a lot of the screening part of things, versus what he would need to do physically, what he would need to do in terms of his skill set um, in order to really get himself to a place where he can contribute 
um, at, at a forward spot uh, and do it, you know, with cons- some consistency. Anybody who follows his social media, I mean, he's always sharing like ball handling, you know, clips and drills and stuff like that. I just don't know if, if, if maybe the long-term vision of what he wanted to be and what UVA saw him as really, you know, kind of uh, squared out. Um, but certainly uh, because of his potential. And I think of the guys who have transferred in the last couple of years, he's probably the one that stings the most. Um, that's no shade intended to anybody else. It's just a sort of the fact of the matter. He, he seemed to me to be a guy that UVA would really benefit from if he, you know, get him, get him developed and, and on the right track. Um, do you guys, it's been, a, it's been a several days now. Um, how's it sitting with you, Dave, that, that, uh, that Milicic is, is, is transferring? Yeah, I mean, I liked his potential. I like, it's nice. You don't see many guys that big, um, that fluid, but look, I, you can say a lot of things about Tony. Like he's not going to play a guy that, you know, he's not going to sit a guy that's ready to play in his system right now, um, at least throughout the course of the season. So, but you know, this, so, I mean, I'm upset he left. Um, I'd like to see what he could develop into. It's, I mean, I guess eventually we'll find out why, you know, he's in the transfer portal. Does he really transfer? Does he go back home? Um, I mean, look a year ago now, I guess he recruited, committed a little over a year ago now. Um, I mean, there weren't a whole lot of people offering him. So it was, you know, UVA was his, I think UVA was his best offer, if not his only. Um, yeah. And, you know, he came here, he got here late in the summer, if I remember correctly, because he had some European stuff going on. He didn't have a lot of time with the team prior to the season, and then he's out as soon as the season ends. So, look at me, I'm up, I'd like to see what his potential is, but look, there's a big level of buy-in. To, you know, if you're going to be a player – who's not a top 25 recruit nationally, you know, you're going to have to work, uh, to, you know, to get your playing time. And it makes me wonder if maybe, and this is pure speculation, but we kind of mentioned on the last podcast I was on a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, Tony made some pointed comments in that last presser about guys needing to work and not saying he's one of them, but you know, two people who weren't getting a lot of playing time are in the portal. So it makes you wonder if yeah. that's who he was directing it towards. Yeah, I mean, typically you think of guys in the portal. Usually it's guys who – what it's one of two reasons, right? Either guy A doesn't think um, that he's getting enough time and he wants more, or guy B uh, is getting plenty of time but wants to do it on a bigger stage, right? The kid from St. Peter's whose name is – with the mustache, the kid whose name escapes me. He's in the portal not because he's not getting okay. the Yeah, him. Uh, he, but, but he he he's trying to seize the moment, and I get it. Like I, I I understand that, and that's you know coaches do it all the time. His coach did it right, seizing the moment, making the most of the opportunity. Um, in Igor's case, Ferber, I, I get the sense from I, I put it to you like this: for the longest time, it certainly felt like to me that the expectation around the program was that the foreign kids are not going to be as apt to transfer because. A lot of times, and I'm, I'm speaking very generally here, a lot of times foreign kids don't have the same level of um, – um, they don't have that same drive for kind of instant gratification that a lot of the American kids do. Um, and I think that's not just the case you know, of UVA. I think that's the case in a lot of places. Um, that being said, there's also – there's always been, and, 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 and that has dissipated to some extent in recent years, there's an uncertainty of the foreign kids sometimes. Um, you know, you're not really sure – um, you know, especially in recruiting, right? You're never really sure like how, you know, how the, um, the particulars of, of a recruitment are going to stick, um, because you're never really sure, you know, what factors might be at play. Um, how is it sitting with you that, that, that Igor has decided to transfer? 
Um, I'd be lying to you if I was to tell you I was surprised, <laughs> you know, like um, not knowing him, you know, he just didn't play and you always have the um, option to play professionally at more of a young age in, in Europe. So that's something that's always on the table with those guys. And um, yeah, I mean, I think that it was a pretty solid late addition from a talent standpoint uh, for UVA and clearly a guy that they were hoping would be a sort of a developmental player um, for them. But yeah, I mean, you, you know, with the trans, I don't know if he's going to transfer or go home or what, but um, you know, like these sort of things kind of, I feel like nowadays with transfers and, and guys leaving the program, it's a little bit more obvious, like who's going to do so. Yeah. Um, you don't have as many guys that just hang around for the sake of hanging around. Um, and now, I mean, UVA, even this year, you have walk-ons leaving to get scholarships. So uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's particularly shocking given his playing time and everything else. So um, yeah, I mean, and you're right. I think when you recruit guys from overseas, sometimes it's a slam dunk. Um, like everybody kind of knew Luka Doncic was going to be good when he went to the NBA draft. Um, but you also have different competition levels and things that make it harder to evaluate true, very true. and things like that. Like, you know, you watch highlights and it's like, this guy's just absolutely dominating. And it's like, then you look up who he's playing against and it's like, Oh, he's playing nobody's or like in the case of Igor, like he's playing professionally, but is he playing like in a good professional league or is it like a third division league? Like you have to kind of like pay attention to that stuff. And, um, I feel like European and, and, and UVA's case, um, Asia Pacific <laughs> recruiting is sort of more anecdotal. There's not as much video to watch. Like you kind of just sort of just go on what's available, which isn't as much. And, um, yeah, it's trickier, but honestly, like nothing that has happened in terms of transfers for UVA this year has been surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess we're still waiting to hear final word from Kihei, and you could always have a guy that decides to go into the portal tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but so far, everything has sort of gone the way that we expected it to, right? Yeah, it kind of has. I want to circle back to something Ferber just said, because I think it's a, a good gateway to um, sort of a, a larger discussion. And you were talking about how sometimes when there's limited film, right, on a guy that you, you, you're or, or there's limited, you're not really sure what the competition is like. So not necessarily limited film of him, but limited sort of access, right? Limited sort of... Um, um, uh, hard and fast sort of takeaways from the league they're in or the competition they're playing and that kind of stuff. And it, and it makes me wonder, I mean, there's been a, a lot of topic. It's been a, you know, a lot of conversation out there among UVA fans um, about Virginia's recruiting. Now I have, I am, and I will continue to be a staunch believer that you have to take transfer recruiting into account. You have to um, the days of talking about recruiting as if it only meant high school recruiting are effectively over because I think staffs have to now they have to consider transfer recruiting every bit as important, if not in some cases more important, um, even for a program like UVA where you, you, clearly they want to get guys in there and develop those players, right? They're not going to change that just because there are, you know, they're not going to all of a sudden be one and done. So not all of a sudden going to be living and dying in the transfer portal. The transfer portal is a tool that they need to rely on. Um, and it's certainly a tool that they're going to have to rely on because the, the long and short of it is, is that kids are not going to stick even, you know, the kids UVA vets, even the kids UVA recruits. Well, even the kids that choose UVA, the last couple of classes, I think speak to that. Like they're not going to just sit around 
waiting for their chance if they think that there's someplace else that they can go and have that chance. Now, we can get into the mud about like whether they should or they shouldn't, but that doesn't change the fact that they won't. And I, I don't think that we, I don't think we should waste our energy tonight arguing about who should or shouldn't. But what I do think we should discuss, and I'm curious to get y'all's you know points of view on this, is I feel like in recent years, you know, whereas transfer recruiting is important, and UVA I think has done a pretty solid job on that front. It's I don't think you can argue that high school recruiting has been up to this current class where it necessarily needed to be for a program that has high expectations that has you know, sort of lofty standards. Um, you know, when you listen to Tony Bennett after that last loss, he did not sound like a guy who was happy to be in, in the NIT. He wants more from his guys. He clearly, the program, you know, it, it's not just that they want a championship, it's that they want to win another one. Um, and I feel like one of the things that has been missing from that puzzle, um, and it was evident after, even after 2016's class, um, you can understand that in the year or so after because they took so many dudes in that group um, why things might have been different. But that continued. Um, and I think that what they do in the high school recruiting side of things um, has been um, has been an issue for them. I don't think that there's any any doubt in, in my mind that that their issue right now is a talent deficiency issue, right? And I think it does. It's a fair question to ask. Like, what what changes should they make? What should they do differently? Dave, I'm going to pose that question to you. And I'm you know, obviously just for discussion purposes, I don't expect mm -hmm. you to have a 15 point plan on how to, you know, make UVA the recruiting juggernaut of the East Coast. Um, but I'm just curious if it, it, are are there things that you think UVA could do differently that would pr produce a significantly different amount of success? Ah. <sighs> Uh, let me try to decide if I want to get in my soapbox now or later. I mean, first of all, his fans could freaking calm down. That would be helpful. Um, look, Virginia's never recruited at an elite level, right? They've gotten some good players. Um, but the, the foundation of Tony's success has been built on guys often overlooked by other programs. And I, I don't think that you throw that away just because you want a national title, just because you get access to a, you know, get eyes or get a few more, you know, return calls or visits from higher ranked players doesn't mean they're going to buy in, you know, when you're sell. you know, Tony didn't all of a sudden say, Hey, yeah, oh yeah, we're better than, Oh, you're really highly ranked. Come play. We're not going to make you do the same thing we made Joe Harris do as, you know, as an unheralded recruit. Um, so, you know, that part of it is, is always going to be there. Now there are, so the thing he's missed on to me, isn't, if you look at the recruiting classes, it, especially when you factor in the transfers, as you were saying, they've had hits, but it's been the misses the last couple of years that stand out because he had an incredible run of hits on, on, you know, less heralded recruits from basically what 2012 through the championship. So many guys that weren't sought after by others that, that came in and fit the system. Um, and whether it's just law of averages catching up or just a bad run or, you know, or it's getting, it's harder to kind of repeat that. I'm not sure. Um, but ultimately like, I, I feel like we as fans and stuff I see on Twitter and even here in the podcast, we're, I think we're all guilty of it. Like we want a roster of 12, like great players. And that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know, you look at the championship game they subbed like, you know, other than files, both teams play like six guys. Yeah. You don't need so to you, go 12 deep anymore. No. Really seven, eight guys max. 
Yeah. yeah, so you just need to hit on half of your roster. And Virginia's problem isn't that they haven't had some hits. It's just, regrettably, they've had a miss. Like, I mean, we've said it before, but how good is this team with Trey Murphy on this past year's team? It's an NCAA team because the one thing they didn't have was a Trey Murphy. Um, you know, if Franklin hadn't struggled at times and Gardner hadn't taken a little while to get up to speed, um, or would they have both struggled less at the beginning? Um with a piece like Trey Murphy, like you, you can't anticipate that. And once he's gone, how many transfers can you bring in um, to help offset that? And then with, you know, I'm, so I, mean, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, you just keep doing what you're doing because it's worked. You know, I don't, I don't think yeah. you throw the baby out with the bathwater because right. you had one season, you didn't make the NCAA. Virginia's been arguably the most dominant team in, in the ACC the past half a decade plus. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, get, it gets frustrating when you – I think we all kind of feel that, you know, the postseason upsets, you know, the first-round losses uh, you know, or whatever. But it's still – like, that happens. Just because you're close to it doesn't mean you're the only one who goes through it. You know, Carolina hadn't <laughs> made a run in forever. Um, you know, it just happens. So, yeah. to me, it's one or two pieces, and this isn't a story. And I don't even know that it's – you can get frustrated like you know with with the misses um but you also have to factor in all that's changed so yeah covid threw a monkey wrench in everything that's true then you introduce the no sit out transfer rule which ultimately if there's a program in america that got hurt more than virginia and a power five i'd like to know who it is now all the g5 schools got hurt more by the no sit out transfer but if tony could convince deandre like you think deandre hunter's redshirting now if he could transfer and not sit out a year Probably not, you know, because it was kind of talk that that was we we know the behind the scenes on that. So it just changes. And I think it's going to take a little while for Tony to to figure it out. Like maybe now you've got to go for a more physically advanced guy or maybe you've got to go with a guy like Leon Bond, who's so gifted on the defensive side, a work in progress on offense. Um, you got to have a couple of them on the roster and hope one of the two pans out. Because again, <laughs> while I'm ranting, I'm like look, looking at the uh, – the 2013-14 team. I've got their poster on one. Their poster is one of the many on the wall. Like you're not putting that kind of roster together now. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that roster was absolutely loaded. One of like half that team is transferred. Yeah, because they can. Yeah. And Let's, plus, if you're a Virginia player now, not, <laughs> then I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> when those guys were coming, like Virginia hadn't done anything. Yeah. That's Other true. schools are like, oh, they're good now. If a Virginia guy goes in the, you know, there's people talking to Virginia guys. So that's different. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's as huge of a deal as we're making it in the short term. Yeah. Um, but it remains to be seen how Virginia operates in this new environment. Ferber, I want to play devil's advocate for a hot second here because I think something Dave's just said really, I think, lands for me, which is the idea that, like, it feels in some ways like 2016 was a long time ago, but in some ways it wasn't because the pandemic basically blew up two classes. Um, I, I think if we talk about – if you go back and look at, at – all right, 17, that's Marco Anthony and Badoki. okay? I, I don't think that you can really hone in on a, on a, on a um, you know, on making a case why that class should have been better without, you, you at least got to take into consideration the size of the 16 class and the fact that a lot of those dudes hadn't played yet. Like, you simply aren't going to be able, when you don't, when, when, when Virginia doesn't have playing time, I just don't think you're going to be able to land a lot of guys because guys understand that they can go somewhere else and play right away. 
They're going to go to teams where, you know, they play more guys or they play a faster pace. In 18, you've got, that's Scafaro, Clark, and, and Statman. Two foreign kids. Um, Cafaro, obviously, at the time, because, you know, the tournament he played in stuff before he enrolled and everything. Like, that was actually seen at the time as a, as a big deal. Kihei, we've, you know, has been beaten to death. Um, the 19th class was Wolda Tensai, who was, a, who was a transfer they had to have. Um, but then they got McCoy, Morcel, and Shedrick. Now, at the time, McCoy chose UVA over an offer from Carolina. He, Shedrick was a kid who committed uh, in November the year before. Um, and he was a guy I think that most people down there thought very highly of. Marcel, a kid who was a four-star who played on one of the most successful AAU teams I've ever seen, um, who seemed at the time to look like he fit like a glove. The reason I'm walking through this is because I think you can see spots, Ferber, where you can go, okay, maybe this guy was a miss or that, but the whole, you you know, Dave said, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think you can identify specific situations where you go, okay, well, maybe this one was a reach or maybe that one was a reach. But then overall, you know, you look at the next class that had Beekman and Jabri, like, and, and even uh, McCorkle. Like, those were highly rated players. One of those dudes is essentially the cornerstone of the program, right? And I, I don't think you can really necessarily say the recruiting has been terrible. Like, they're just these hot takes. But I do think at the same time you can say, hey, you can't take as many flyers as they seem to have taken over – an extended period of time one or two here or there fine but you can't take a number of foreign kids or guys who you know you don't think can contribute right away and I think ultimately that is my biggest beef and that's the thing that I think I circle in on the most which is when you don't have guys who can who you think you can play right away what that means is is there's a chance that maybe that that right away doesn't actually happen right if you see a guy and you see potential that's that's good, and I'm not saying they shouldn't recruit guys with potential, but I'm also saying that like maybe you should try to find guys that you think can play right away because that means that there's there's no doubt, right? There's no doubt in a year or in two years, right? What you would like to have is a situation where guys are playing and they're playing well, and then they go the Troy Murphy route, and you're able to bring in more guys who play well. I'm not saying like necessarily had to be one and done, but two, three and done wouldn't be a bad thing, and that's kind of what they had in 16, and certainly I think what they what they hope they've got with this group, which is, you know, a really sound group in, in the big picture, where do you land on all this? Yeah. I mean, I think I agree with a lot of what was just said. I think there's no reason what Dave said is true. I don't think there's like a, a strategy problem where it's like, Oh, you know, they had an NIT season. So like clearly they need to re- redo everything and blow it up. Um, but I also see where you're coming from. And I, I think I would say, on the surface, the notion that they haven't recruited well is false, but they haven't yielded from those recruiting classes, if that makes sense. Like on paper, they didn't like in the moment and on paper, it doesn't look like they did anything wrong. Like, you know, they took guys that were rated top 100 players or, or, you know, and there are obviously some flyers in there as well. But, um, you know, I was looking at, while you were talking, I was looking at Duke's recruiting classes from the last five, six years, you know, they miss too. Like it's not quite as bad maybe when they miss, but like if you go through their recruiting classes, there's guys that you're like, Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. Like he never really panned out. Um, You know, there's a bunch of them too. So, I mean, what Dave said is true. You don't need everybody to be awesome to win. And when they won the championship, would they have off the bench that was like really useful in the tournament? Um, Braxton key, 
And then I guess you have the Diakite salt combo, whatever they were going with in the moment. Um, yeah. And that was pretty much it. Right. I mean, like they didn't really go any deeper than that unless I'm forgetting somebody. Depends um, on whether Kihei was starting or not, but yeah, I mean, Kihei was, was started. Kihei pretty yeah. much started the whole season. Like, yeah, and yeah. and then they would rotate Diakite and Salt, or you know, like something like that. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I think that the approach isn't necessarily wrong. I would say, like, if they could change something, um, I would say, like, they need to be a little bit more uh, assertive or go after guys that have more specific offensive traits that are transferable regardless. So like guys that can come in and light it up from the outside guys that can create their own shot, big men who can, who can touch the paint and score and are like fluid athletes and not guys that you have to teach how to like play basketball almost. Um, because, you know, like their competition level is low or they big guys in high school, it's like offensive linemen in football. It's like a lot of times they're just dominating because they're so big. Um, you need guys that can like move and score. I would say like a big part of their problem since the championship with the recruiting classes that they have is that you have guys that are good at specific things, but the area that they've struggled the most is just being able to manufacture points like from their high school recruiting classes, like who right now from their high school recruiting classes are, is like good at manufacturing points. Um, Kihei could do it, but he had his own limitations, some physical, um, to where it's like, you know, I mean, you saw how the season ended. Like, he can't just go to the rim and score at will. Um, Reese is certainly making strides, but it didn't look great for him as a freshman in that area, but his shot is coming along. He's getting to the rim more. I think he's going to be fine in that regard. Other than that, you have guys like even Cedric. I mean, half of his points come on uncontested dunks. Like, you know, it's not like he's like creating a lot of his own points through post moves or doing something on his own. Um, so I think they have some work to do. And then don't even get me started. I, I don't feel like I need to address the shooting again, but like, that's a big problem. You look at these teams that are in the final four, even go back to the elite eight. There's not a bunch of, you're not going to find teams that can't shoot and can't find ways to score points when they need to, even if they don't score 80 points a game. Yeah, um, and I think that's been their biggest issue is like, um, I don't want to make it seem as simple as like they're, they're taking guys that they feel like are awesome on defense and then they can teach them like they can be good enough on offense. I don't think it's that simple, but I do think that approach is just going to fail in the long term. If you don't, I mean, you look at the national championship team, like you had a bunch of dudes who were highly rated, but they were also good scorers. Like there's not, it's not a mistake that that team won the national championship. Yeah. The thing about them though, too, is if you think about it, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome were not seen at the high school mm-hmm. level as guys who were going to be locked down defenders. Stoppers. And exactly. Yeah. What that class had, and if you think about that team as a whole, right, you had Jack Salt and, and Kihei Clark, who were two kids who, you know, ultimately UVA was their only option, right? Uh, not a whole lot out there, not a lot of buzz about them, but they were they were they were key parts of a of a championship run. But then look who was surrounding them, right? All four star dudes, right? Between Guy and Jerome and Hunter and Key and, and Diakite, right? All of these dudes who were very highly rated coming out of high, high school, right? Now, in, in the big scheme of things, you I think you're exactly right. What you just said about like the offensive piece, like that speaks directly, in my opinion, to playing right away, right? Dudes who can get buckets, guys who can just go out there and score, 
they they tend to play right away. I will never really understand what happened to Jabri because the Jabri I saw on the AAU circuit was just simply not the guy that I saw in in UVA uniform. He um, might have just picked the wrong year to get here too because he was behind Trey Murphy and yeah, that's guys that's like fair. That. And maybe he just didn't get the time and that you know like what maybe have you. maybe in like the team the year before he would have played. Like yeah. I don't know. But I think that if you look at this class, and this kind of speaks to the whole like you know some of the some of my issues with like the 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 sort of general I don't want to call it general consensus, but the but the vocal consensus out there, right? If you look at this class, this class is balanced among guys who you know can score and guys who you know can play defense, right? That's not to say that some of the guys who can score aren't also you know guys who you think might be pretty good defensively, but they can score. And I think to your point just a few minutes ago. It's not necessarily that UVA was going out and trying to find dudes who were defense only or defense first. It was that they were trying to find guys who, regardless of where the offense was, right, regardless of where that was, that the defense was at least, if not a little bit ahead, it was at least right there. And so trying to find a guy who is balanced in that, in that respect, trying to find a, that kid and to find many of those kids is extremely difficult no matter where you're recruiting from and I kind of feel like one of the things that you might and again we again I know it feels like 16 was a long time ago but you might almost need like two more classes to really kind of hone in on it but one of the things I think you're seeing is that UVA is now looking for guys who are more athletic guys who can who can score guys who can shoot and kind of figuring like we'll teach them the defensive part do they have the athleticism to play that defense Right. And I think that's a little bit of a change where I think before they were very cognizant of like, can a kid move his feet enough to do this? Right. And they didn't just think like, is he athletic enough to do it? They wanted to see that kid move down the lane, so to speak. Right. Um, and I wonder, too. And Dave, I'm, I'm curious to get your, your point of view on this. In the last few years, there's been some coaching turnover. Right. It, it, there has been changes, you know, whether it's Richie leaving, Ron leaving, um, obviously, you know, they've got um, um, Brad still on staff, but, you know, he's not an active recruiter, right? Uh, in their in their current kind of formation, I, I think that maybe some of those changes with, with Vandross um, and Kyle, I, I think that those guys are a little bit different uh, in that respect. And I'm curious if that is not going to start playing itself out in UVA's recruiting. Um, what do you – What I guess as we look forward – are you, I mean, judging from what you said earlier, I'm going to guess I know the answer to this question, but how do you feel about sort of where things are? Do you have any issues, any concerns about sort of the, the trajectory of their recruiting efforts? Um, no. I mean, how can you? Look, you, you mentioned which I think is something that every fan should remember. Like, Tony trusted Richie McKay like no other. Like, he mentioned him by name in his freaking press conference when he got hired. Um, you know, I think Ferber and I were texting about that not too long ago. Um, you know, someone he wasn't even supposed to mention because they had. Yeah, like him. I don't even know if that was allowed. <laughs> like, no, it's yeah. like tampering. He's like, am I allowed to say that? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he ultimately trusts him, which obviously you, you mentioned it earlier about Tony, like liking to get his eyes on the guy. But Richie McKay was a second set of eyes for Tony and he trusted him. And I think Ron Sanchez kind of had earned that too. And I don't know if the new guys had, but even if they haven't, you add the. Like, I hate to keep going back to it, but like the restrictions in place for UVA staff and players during the COVID stuff, which basically just wrapped up, was stricter than basically anywhere in the country, you know. Um, so they weren't able to get out and do some, a lot of stuff other people were. 
yet we're sitting here like i mean i feel like we i feel like we don't have an amazing class on the way in like that's what i was kind of giggling about like oh so all that stuff we miss i mean so i mean i think to pose a question to you guys like on paper the guys coming in next year are everything we're talking about right you've got isaac mcneely mcneely who's an elite shooter um score and underrated athleticism like he, he's i mean will it translate no one knows um Leon Bond, like exceptional defensive player. Ryan Dunn, like, you know, that athletic, needs some physical development, but athletic, skilled wing, you know, two, three guy. And then Isaac Trout, who's an all-around, you know, big guy, big four who can shoot, small five. Um, four pieces you'd want, right? And, I mean, I think we're all comfortable saying, like, that's exactly who you want to come in here, but there's no proof any of them work out. I mean – if they all hit Tony, Bren Tony Bennett's a genius and he brought another class in. If, if two miss, then it's hard to replace that, you know? Yeah. And the short window you have for a talented player. Like we, we talk about that 19 class, um, sorry, the 16 class went in the championship, but all of that class left after playing two or three years for the most part. So you've only got a short window for it all to be right. Yeah. And UVA in some ways, um, some ways was blessed that they lost to UMBC in 2018 because they probably didn't have that team if they made a run to the Elite Eight in 2000. Mm. You know, because DeAndre probably would have bolted. Um, well, I mean, assuming he wasn't hurt. Yeah, True. yeah. So I'm saying, like, oh, if he, we wouldn't have gone to the Elite Eight if he had gotten hurt. You know, hadn't. But so yeah, he was like borderline right? going pro at that point, right? Or yeah, that right. Was yeah. Considered possible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, do they do they come back? So things happen and it's hard to know. Um, but, you know, I think the thing is just stacking, you don't, if this class, if three or if all four of these guys work out, maybe if, you know, maybe Virginia gets lucky and adds a big fifth one, um, then that's a great foundation. And, you know, Virginia can be pretty good right away with those guys because they don't need to come in. It's kind of like when Ty and Kyle got here um, while DeAndre is redshirting, they didn't, they weren't asked to do a lot. They got a chance to get their feet wet without the whole fate of the team that season being rested on their shoulders. Um, and I think that's important and we've, we've kind of forget about it as fans. So I, mean, I, I want to add as many great pieces as you can every year. That's just not feasible. And it's going to become less feasible as people get paid to go to schools, you know, or paid by collectives to go to school. You're going to have to hit seven or eight. You're going, to, you're going to have seven or eight spots to fill with talented guys, and you need seven of those guys to hit, um, you know, or six, and everyone stay healthy all year. So it's just it's a numbers game, and Virginia's still doing it better than almost everyone in the country. With, and if you take the schools that are doing it as good or, as Virginia with consistency, are recruiting a lot more one and dones that kind of player than we are. So it's. Yeah, I, I just think, man, I feel like a broken record, but it's just, it just outrages me to see the way people are talking about Tony. And like, I mean, people question his competitiveness and all this other BS. Like, come yeah. on. I mean, that, and that's yeah, the thing on. is like, I, I think you, I think there's always, it's always fair to, to say, like, hey, in the class of 2021, you only took Tane Murray, right? Like, oh, yeah. You know, like there's a, there, there's a fair, there's a fair question in there. But if you look at the, 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 the group that came after them, you know, to your point about that talent level, um, 
a lot of those guys were highly sought after. Virginia had to go and win some recruitments. That's what they've done on the transfer front, right? They've gone and won recruitments. Um, they've been able to close on the guys largely that they wanted. You know, I'm not saying they get everybody. They don't. Um, but it certainly feels like to me that that the it's like yes, there are some there are some legitimate concerns or legitimate points to make in there, and those things in and of themselves are are worth discussing. We don't need to like add stuff that, you know what I mean? Like it, Tony Bennett is like the most competitive human I think I've ever actually met. Um, he just because he's a nice person does not mean he's not competitive. Um, I, I feel like what Virginia has done on the recruiting trail. If there's one, if there's one other thing I, I want to pick on or one other thing I want to point to and Ferber, I'm curious to get your thought process on this. We can't really ignore the Virginia flavor of this final four. I mean, I felt like I hear Jim Nance say the word Virginia a lot. Um, now, granted, not all those dudes were going to go to UVA, right? Um, even if they, you know, even if UVA put the full court press on them from, you know, their freshman year or whatever, right? Um, but there are a handful of these kids that have come along the last few classes, and there, you know, there are definitely examples of this going back a while. That I, I wonder if Virginia had made a push earlier, right? Typically, these are guys that Virginia eventually does decide to offer. They eventually do try to make a push, and it's genuine. I think that they they don't. It's not just lip service or whatever. Um, but that there are some guys that are a little closer to home, guys maybe that Virginia has 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 evaluated a, a, a lot that get offers from other places that the UVA offer doesn't come. Um, you know, think about like the the Mark Williams Henry Coleman combination. Now, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not bringing this up so we can get into a you know specifics of like their specific class and all this stuff. I'm just talking about here were two talented kids in your backyard who clearly wanted to play together. They told me as much. Now. I understand that over the course of a recruitment, things change, uh, opinions change. Mark's sister going to Duke. I mean, if Duke had come calling, that probably was always going to be a little bit of a of a bear for anybody to get over. But it definitely did seem like to me at the time, and I still think now, that if Virginia had really tried to close on them really early, and, and I'm talking like Kyle and Ty early, right, that, that they could have gotten that done. And I'm not saying that that would have been the solution. And I'm not saying that getting more local kids would be the solution. But it certainly feels like it would help. And Grant, like I said, I know that there were some kids in this Final Four who are from, you know, from Virginia, from the surrounding, you know, area who were not going to go to UVA. I'm not trying to say like, oh, UVA needs to put a fence around the state. I'm not stupid Dre Bly, right? But I am thinking like, man, there are some of these kids at UVA almost like sort of talks themselves out of offering for a while. And it does, it does feel like to me that if they, had, if they can move faster on those kids and try to close those kids earlier... Um, maybe that their success, you know, they wouldn't be taking flyers on on kids later. It, essentially, what I'm saying, Ferber, is that I understand that like you think you know who a kid is, uh, and I don't. I'm not saying offer a kid you don't want, um, or try to take a kid you don't want. But I, I almost wonder if like the kids that they they see a lot of, like they have a they have a they have a like bar that they have to clear in order to like earn that offer that some of these other kids don't seem to have. And I'm curious how you see that sort of dichotomy. Yeah, that's an interesting point. And it, obviously I was um, intrigued by it as well. Like watching the final four, I think it was five starters between the four teams from Virginia. Um, Roach, Mark Williams, um, Slater at Villanova, yeah. David McCormick, Baycott, and then Keels comes off the bench um and plays starter minutes so 
Yeah. I mean, it's really like six key guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're not, I mean, obviously like you look at the, the programs that they ended up at, you're not going to win all those. Um, I think it's interesting though, that um, I, I would say college basketball recruiting is a little bit more borderless than football. Like um, there's not as much of an appeal to play at home. Like, I, I don't know. Um, maybe in like in North Carolina, you have guys that are like, I want to play for North Carolina because I'm from North Carolina, but I never hear guys say that about UVA or any, like any schools really. Um, it's interesting. Do you guys know off the top of your head who the last Tony Bennett scholarship player from Virginia was? Devin Hall. Devin Hall. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I looked, uh, I went back to see how long it would take me to get back there before I found one. And, and is, I can't remember, like it was, he, is he like the only one? There, I mean, John Tell Evans, but like that was yeah. somebody who was committed before he got here. Yeah. Um, and then it's like, I think that's like pretty much Jared. Was Reuter. Tristan Spurlock from Virginia? Yes, he was. Yeah, I, I, if we're but counting was, him. Well, I guess, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. are, are you counting, when, well, the was, question is, do you count Diakite? Diakite maybe Virginia? you could count. Yeah, I would say no. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they. I, I guess part of why they got him is proximity. So though. then in that case, it's BJ Stiff. Yeah, well, that's wild. Oh, yeah, forget about him. And you think, and it's not, and that's what I think that's why it stuck with me watching the final four was like, it's not like Virginia doesn't have good players because, like, you know, they have a bunch of them in the final four. McCormick, I texted Brad during the Kansas game. I was like, man, this that was a miss. Like, yeah, UVA really pushed for him and didn't get him. Um, you know, eventually he kind of like his recruitment expanded, I guess, outside of you know, just UVA and some other schools. And yeah, yeah, that would have been a perfect guy. And obviously, Mark Williams too was a was a guy they would probably wish they could have had yeah um, and, and i think mark is probably the one mark and henry are, are hard for me to get over because like look there have been other dudes you know slater hub you know dudes that uva recruited that went elsewhere um who maybe right away didn't look like you know the end all be all but then who have had pretty decent careers right um but they all seem to follow like the regular uva path you know i mean you can go all the way back to like what james robinson remember i mean like there's yeah. been a lot of these kids that UVA has been on, seen, recruited hard, just didn't necessarily make a push for it, didn't offer. Um, and when you're right, uh, like, Jalen Llewellyn hit the portal a few weeks ago, we yeah. were like, oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Is there yeah, a player, exactly. Virginia? Is, is there a player Tony Bennett's landed that Duke had a legit offer to? Jay Huff. Uh, okay. Was I don't know if that was a legit offer. I think yeah. it was legit. <laughs> I think it was legit. I think it was yeah. Legit. I mean, we'd have to get him in here and ask him, but I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, he's, I mean, that, he's probably as close as it comes. Um, yeah. So I was trying to be nice to Jay by saying legit offer. So you just wouldn't bring him up. So I think you, but other, than, <laughs> other than him, other than him, the answer is no. Now, and for I will a long say, time, they didn't have a guy that had a Carolina offer until they got um, like AG and a few other guys. And, you know, if you don't want to count transfers, then it was probably like Justin McCoy. It was Justin McCoy, yeah. which is ironic in the big scheme of things since that's where yeah. he is. But no, I think that's a good point. And listen, I'm not saying that UVA necessarily needs to go out and land guys who have specific other offers. And I'm not like, trust me, I understand like the reality is, is that look, Rivals had some of these dudes as four stars that have not panned out. That's just the nature of the beast, right? Uh, I'm not saying that, um, you know, that stars are the end-all be-all, and I'm certainly not saying that UVA should base its recruiting on what some other school does, right? That's what Bill Self does. Um, that was, I would say, too, people need to remember, joke. like, uh, not, to, not to disparage any players, but, like, I would say the gap between, like, player number five and player number 100 is, like, pretty big. 
Yeah, um, that's true, and that's like, fair. Like, oh like, yeah, you know, like yeah. the variant, the variance on like a four star, like number ninety second overall player is not the same as like Armando Baycott. <laughs> like, right? There's, yeah. it's yeah. just not the same. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like the one and like you hear about like these teams saying one and done's like there's only a few guys that are like lock one and done's. Mm-hmm. It's not like there's yeah. like forty of them. Yeah, um, the NBA draft only has two rounds. Like, yeah, and that's one of those things nobody seems to understand. Have a top five pick. And also, like a guy Even like Max level, Christie, you know? was like, "Oh, this dude's like a one and done." And it's like, I don't think he is. Like, I think he's gonna have to come back, right? If yeah. he's not, maybe he goes pro. But like, there's guys like that. Like, you know, once you get down to like the 20s, you know, like the Jabri Justin Anderson range, like, you know, you're not talking about guys that are like slam dunk. This guy's gonna score 20 points a game and go pro. Um, so yeah, but I mean, like from Virginia's standpoint, I was I've always kind of pushed back on this. I'm like, who cares where they're from if they can play? Um, like, I mean, they won a national title with dudes from like New York and Indiana and Philadelphia, you know, it, I don't think that really matters that much, but I think maybe it does sort of alleviate some problems down the road. Like maybe it makes transfers a little less likely if you're playing at home, um, stuff like that. But I think honestly, like the, the elephant in the room, and it's not like we don't want to address this. We all know this, um, UVA has a perception problem, whether it's true or not right. on the recruiting trail. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just true. Like, yeah, the title, did there's not a lot und- of dudes do that. There's a lot of dudes who were like, and, and honestly, and, and this is what I wanted to say, what we were talking earlier about guy, picking guys that have traits versus guys that can play defense and things like that. The, the playing UVA style of basketball, or especially on the defensive end, doesn't just require the ability to do it. It requires the buy-in to want to do it. Like Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy probably would have been okay defenders if they went to other schools, but they bought into playing good defense and got better, right? So like that is a huge component of this, and UVA has to sort of deal with that on the trail. And it's it's um, I'm not saying it's something that's like a burden for them because they choose to play this way, right? It's not like it's not like no anyone's making them do it, but at the same time, like they have an identity. It makes it a little easier for them once they get guys in. I think to to go forward and ha- like you see teams that just don't have identities all the time. UVA doesn't have that problem. <laughs> like, you know, they know who they are and they know what they're going to do. Um, the problem yeah. is getting guys to, and this is where it's, I'll just be as honest as I can. I think in, in a lot of cases, guys are told like, it's not a good fit for you. And that may or may not be true. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. for some guys, like, for some guys, they would be better off in a different system and a different scheme, or like they're just not going to be good enough on the defensive end to make it worth it. Um, or if their goals are to play in a high tempo offense, it's just not for you. Um, so they have to deal with that. But then there's also the guys that are pretty much like told not to go there, even if it is a good fit. Um, but like, for example, like London Johnson, right? Like London Johnson would be good in UVA system. Like I have no doubts, but he would also be good in Carolina system because he's like exactly what they look for in a guard. Like, um, so, I mean, if somebody gets in his ear and is like, UNC is better for you. Like that's his ultimate, like that's UVA's like um, recruitment hurdle to get over with a guy like that, to convince them that it's like, even if people are telling you like, it's, it's a different sort of thing, it, it will get you to the NBA or like we'll win a lot or whatever, like, um, they have to sort of fight that, you know, thought or whatever. I guess it's the same in football. If you have a team that like, doesn't throw like Wisconsin, like they have to fight yeah. the perception that they don't throw the ball. 
So like when they recruit wide receivers and quarterbacks, it's like they have to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing. I mean, look. Ultimately, quick, it's, hold on, it's, Dave. It's, let me let me let me before you get into this. I'm, I just want to point to something Ferber just said directly. Like, I, I agree with you that like it doesn't really matter where they're from. Um, I think that if there were a bunch of really good players that UVA was recruiting already, who they just like wouldn't offer, even if they were like, let's say all of the dudes from Virginia were just from, I don't know, Tennessee. Okay. I would be like, why are they never offering these Tennessee kids? Like, these are the kids they see all the time. These are the kids that they are on for forever. Then they don't offer them and the kids go and they play pretty, you know, they seem to be pretty good recruits, pretty good uh, additions. So for me, it's not necessarily about the proximity piece. It's just the proximity piece seems to be the thing that self-selects them, right? And it, for whatever reason, you know, th- certainly there have been guys who are non-Virginia players, right? Guys who did not play in Virginia um, that UVA has been sort of slow to offer or slow to really make a push for. But it does seem like, by and large, these specific dudes, for whatever reason, it takes a lot for them to get that offer, to really clear that bar. And I'm just curious, like... If that if, if you were if you changed some of those right if UVA had made some different decisions how that would have impacted things so that's just kind of where I was on it sorry about that Dave go ahead oh, I forgot I was gonna say now wasn't that important <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry no, look it's sustained success is hard um, if your fan base is gonna get upset because you had one bad year it's even harder um, that's it there's a reason like teams pop up and win a national championship and then you never hear from them again. Sometimes it is lightning in a bottle, um, but I mean, that's not where Virginia's been. So it, it's, I think we're just in a little hump, you know, and I don't know. I'm trying to see how I want to phrase this nicely. If you as a fan think Tony Bennett can recruit better, there has never been a chance more. <laughs> there's never been a chance where you can legally help them like there is now. So like, if you want to want about it, step up, but, Ultimately, I think his recruiting has been fine. And it's going to take – I mean, I don't want to compare him to Coach K. We talked about a little bit pre-show. But when K first started building Duke, it was can he get a certain type of player, you know? Right, yeah. It, what's going to get him – who's going to be the first one to commit to open up the whole treasure trove of players to him? And so eventually it'll happen for Tony. Like he's had two draft picks. Someone's going to come around who's a – you know, two lottery picks in the past, what, three drafts? Um so he's coached talent and the NBA guys see them. So all he's going to take is a highly rated player who likes Tony and understands that ultimately the NBA cares a lot more about efficiency than total points. Um, and maybe that's London Johnson. Maybe it's, you know, one of the other guys already committed, um, but that'll happen eventually. And, you know, that'll, that'll change it or it won't. People will win, and Virginia will still win 25, 30 games a year. <laughs> to be I would clear, like they, to see what Tony would do with a one and done, though. Just I know, to kind of like too. see how uh, that would go. Yeah, well, you well, know what you saw. It was he's Trey done Murphy. It. He did yeah. it with Trey Murphy. That's you true. Know? Yeah. He did it with Sam Hauser. He did um, it with, uh, <laughs> did it yeah. with um, what's his face? Uh, who am I forgetting? Um, Milicic. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> Igor wild. Milicic. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the record, though, to, to all of the conspiracy theorists out there, when Dave said committed, he meant signed. We're not we're not trying to throw you uh, super uh, um, secret symbols that UVA has a bunch of silent commits or anything like that. Please, please well, don't. One, of the, one of the things I thought was interesting in the final four and like the, I think the lineups before the game do tell you something about the teams like, you know, we're talking about like not recruiting local guys or getting them like does Duke have anybody from North yeah, Carolina? That's like, true. They have. Some, they, I mean, their best players from Seattle. Like they don't care where they're from. Well, was he was he their best player? 
I get okay. Sure. That's a, but I mean, not, that doesn't change your point, but I just thought I'd be an ass. How many transfers <laughs> started in the title game? Uh, transfers. I see. Remy Martin didn't just start, right? Remy Martin, I think. I think he, well, he did. He just bit. didn't play a lot. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, oh, that's yeah, pretty much it, right? And then what's his face? Um, Mackin. Um, oh, Manic. Ma- sorry. Manic. Yeah. Ma- Manic. Yeah, yeah. He was probably the. Um, yeah, Brady Manic. Yeah. Sorry. And yeah. then Justin and McCoy. McCoy made a huge play at the end. Almost. Questionable rebound. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, but uh, I think it's interesting when you look at, like, how the teams are built. Um, like, Duke, it's like, just go get the best guys. Carolina has more of, like, a local flavor, but they kind of do some of this, like, Caleb Loves from St. Louis or whatever. Yeah, right. Um, there's always a little bit of that at high-end basketball. Um, who my, Villanova is, like, very, like, East Coast yeah, northeast. local. Yeah, that's it's right. like dudes from Jersey, dudes from the DMV. <laughs> like, that's just how they build their team. Kansas is the one that I think is the most interesting because they're such a big brand where they are that they go out and get like a David McCormick who they're like, this is our dude, right? He's from Virginia. We don't care. We can get him. But then if you look at the rest of their starting lineup, it's like guys from Kansas and Missouri and places that are like within their sphere of their footprint. Yeah. And so it's like when when they go offer a dude, it's like when they offer a guy from there, they get them like, you know, or like they get a bunch of them. So like they're able to sort of, pick those guys off i don't think uva will ever really be in a situation like that here um because there's so much competition within a small area of, of you know ask bronco mendenhall about that he's like there's yeah. a million schools within you know whatever however many miles um but uh and also like the way tony plays is just gonna be a non-starter for some yeah. people until they you know unless they win like you know i think that in order in order to kind of be villanova right and it ultimately right like what you were or Ferber, I think, was making the point earlier about style of play and like all of the teams in the Final Four, they could like basically kind of go and get theirs. The thing about Villanova is they play slow, but they it's almost like they don't play slow; they play deliberate, right? Because nobody talks even, about them the way they talk about UVA. Exactly, slow, but, but the reason play, for that they, is no, they play exactly like the good the 2019. Exactly, team. that's exactly where I was going to say. It's like they don't yeah. just play; they're playing deliberate. But they're not playing slow, and that twenty that championship team that UVA had—that's what they did. Guys could, you know, you could get, you know, if you watch Villanova, right? Random dudes could get, you know, be isolated at the end of a clock, and they were fine, right? You know what the difference is, right? Sorry, what's that? You know the difference between making the shot. That's right. Exactly. That's literally all it is. So it's just which kind of goes brings us full circle to back to the original point which is like and they and they have changed their they've been more flexible than uva in terms of what they do that's fair there's been years where they're like 150 in tempo and stuff like that true um but yeah and also like i think they have just i mean you could go back and look at the rankings i don't know it feels like they have just closed out a few more recruitments. Than they have, has. yeah, like um, um, Robinson Earl. You know, he's a perfect example. They've gotten That's just a, a few more dudes who have just been let, let them be a little bit more consistent. A little bit more, good. exactly. And and I think that's ultimately like what we're talking about here is like UVA. There's like a hump, and then there's like a little mini hump to get you yeah. onto the actual freeway. Right, and, and like UVA got over the hump, won the championship. There's a proof of concept. Now the trick is, can you can you do it again? in a way that both affirms that proof of concept, but then also like is irrefutable, you know, like you're they're, they're The reality is, is that like certain teams, like some of these kids who choose Duke or they choose Kentucky, or whatever, they were never going to look at Villanova, right? Like they don't, they, that's not what they want to go do. And that's fine. Like, 
I don't care why you pick a school. You might, you know, you're like, oh, I want to go to a place where it's, you know, in the city versus, you know, on a campus or whatever. Whatever your reason is for picking anywhere you go, like whatever that thing might be, right? But there are also those guys who would go to Villanova, right? So it's up to Villanova to get those guys and then show, you know, like I said, proof of concept, get them out there, you know, win games. And that's what they've done. And I do think that they benefit and maybe even, you know, kind of to, to UVA's detriment, Villanova benefits from kind of being like the better version of what UVA wants to do, right? Like a deliberate style, but, right? Like there is that, you know, like UVA did it in 2019, but that's really the only season where it really felt like UVA could kind of score in multiple places and didn't necessarily have to manufacture scoring, right? The defense was great, but the offense was was also really, really good. And that has not always been the case um, even, you know, even in moments when it should have, right? Um, some of these teams that UVA has put together had elements, but they didn't have it all. And Villanova's done a really good job of having all of it. You know, the 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 point guard, the consummate point guard, you know, the big who can shoot, guys with link on the length on the wings, like a lot of it was and is kind of what UVA wants to do. And so a lot of those kids that have gone to Villanova, right? There's a reason why, like, the DeAndre Hunter recruitment came down to where it did, right? Robinson Earl was another one. Uh, they're, they're, Villanova and UVA have squared off on a lot of these kids. And I'm not saying that, like, the reason that UVA isn't doing whatever, whatever, is because Villanova's t- stolen those dudes. I'm just saying that, like, when you look at their two styles and the way that those programs are built, there's a lot of overlap. Um, mm-hmm. And that's certainly, is. you know, yeah. if, if Villanova, if, if Jay Wright had left and gone to the NBA and – you know, there's somebody else at Villanova who was, you know, racket, you know, was 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 calling the, that office home. Maybe some of those kids that went to Villanova would end up in, in Charlottesville. I think that there's a very real case to be made that Villanova is the th- is the thing that UVA wants to be. They just already are there, and that's hard to it's hard to replicate, and, and it's especially difficult to you know replace. Virginia not only has replicated what Villanova did, they did it faster. Yeah, that's fair. That's took, very fair. It took yeah. Jay Wright 14 years to win a championship. He was they were talking about firing him 11 yeah. years into his turn. Yeah. Turn yeah. there. Um, there was a time where got, tech fans thought they could get him. Yeah, yeah. In exactly. the not so distant past. So, it's just, you know, even after after they won their championship, you know, they've had a pretty good run after they won the first one. Um, they had a pretty then it good run of success. Yeah. But, you know, they've gone out in the second round twice, you know. Um but it's sure. just, it happens, you know. The year after they won the title, they were like the number one overall seed again, right? And lost in the second yeah, round. Yeah, lost in the second round. Yeah. Then won it again the following year. Um, yeah, I think that, was, okay, and that honestly, that is the crux of what we're talking about. UVA yeah. fans see that, and they're like, "Why is UVA not doing that?" And it's like that's hard to do. Like, <laughs> you know, it's hard to go back to the championship and win two years later, and hard, and then they went again to the final four this year. So, like, sometimes you just have to give Villanova credit <laughs> for that. Like, for the record. Uh, yeah. Villanova in yeah. 2021, their recruiting class, Angelo Brizzy, the kid from Warrington, three-star. Ooh, that's a throwback. Right? What's he up to? Uh, I don't know. Good question. <laughs> they also landed a four-star kid the UVA recruited from P- PA, Jordan uh, Longino, Longino. And then the Patterson kid uh, was another four-star for that UVA liked as well. Okay. So there's definitely some some traction to my whole uh, situation that I just mentioned. They go head-to-head uh, yeah. quite a bit. They went head-to-head on Keels. Um yeah, with Duke, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, in and in nineteen, they had not just Robinson Earl, but they also had Eric Dixon, who was another kid. Yeah, that was liked. another guy UVA really. And then, liked. of course, Justin Moore from who was from Dematha. 
um, and the Antoine kid from from Jersey. Um, and let's just do for for giggles. We'll go one more year back. Eighteen. Ready for this? Javon Quinterly. Mm-hmm. Brandon That's a name. Brandon Slater. Sadiq Bay. Okay, and Cole Swider. So that was basically them and UVA just go trading blows on the yeah. recruiting trail. Yeah, and it Quinterly. Quinterly one should be like circled. A special, in. A special exception. <laughs> asterisk, asterisk, yeah. asterisk. Quinterly <laughs> should be skirt circled, and Virginia fans should say, "Hmm, am yeah. I okay with one bad season?" Well, and then uh, you yeah. know it's funny. In, in sixteen, they had the Spellman kid. Um, oh man, I forgot all about Jalen Brunson. Oh mm-hmm. man, I had forgot all yeah. about that one. That was another one that went down the. Oh wow, Phil Booth. Oh man, I forgot about all about him too. So yeah, so like I feel like I'm getting smarter or at least more wise as this whole conversation is continuing. Um, I just wonder, like my, the question I was going to pose to you guys earlier, which I didn't get to, is like what are the chances you think we're having the same level of podcast discussion next April? Like how Tony um, needs to recruit better. Because- well, I don't know. I, I think part of the part of this discussion. If I'm, you know, if I'm just going to like react, right? A part of part of this discussion. One, yes. Two. It is in part because there is a there is that frustration out there among fans, and I, I, you know we can't not see it, we can't not read it. And off season is a time when you talk about things that otherwise you wouldn't like spend much time on. I think if we're having this conversation next year, um, it one it, it's probably a different tone, right? Because if that team as as projected doesn't do well, or if you know what have you, or if you're telling me that like they closed out the 22 class and didn't really, um, you know, they were, or excuse me, 23 class. And they weren't really like, they didn't really seem to have a lot of traction with any really, really good recruits. Like, I think that does change the dynamics of what that conversation is. But I also think that we now have a group, you know, you can look to and say, Oh, they're, they're going to, they're, they clearly are going after some offensive minded kids. Um, well then it, it does take a little time to see the make, you know, to see how that pans out. So yeah, next April, I don't, I don't, if we're having this conversation, it's for different reasons, if that makes any sense. I think if we're having this conversation next year, it's a different one. And it's about like, why doesn't he play the younger players? That's a, that's fair. That's very fair. Because, because I think like, I, I can't, I can't predict the future, but I, I think it's hard for me to envision a situation where, I mean, you might still have people other than us complaining about it, but, um, I can't imagine a situation where I'm, I would be like the reason that this team wasn't good is because they didn't recruit well, given they have like a top 15 class coming in. Um, but I could see a situation where like those dudes just don't play. And then it's like, you know, maybe two of them go in the portal or something. And then it's like, what are we doing? Like, what's the point of even getting good players if they're not going to play yeah. um, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't envision that happening. Um, so we'll see. But yeah, I mean, I could see a situation where it's like they need to figure out how to like get some more offense or something. But um, I think it'll yeah. be defensive anything. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, the thing just turns yeah. on its head. Yeah. And people don't really complain about that because they're just like, well, that's what they do. So yeah, yeah. Um, like but, I haven't heard them be like, Tony needs to fix the defense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Um. Well, I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um. I'm very impressed with us to do an hour on that. Very good. Very good, guys. No curveballs. Uh, we didn't randomly start talking about, um, I don't know, whatever's happening on the baseball game right now. Um, so yeah, 
that's a good place. If you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind, look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is that podcasts are sold. And if we're not there, please let me know because I think we should be there. Now, if you're somebody who's found the pod, you haven't given us a look at the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Obviously, lots of spring football stuff. Um, you know, they talk to, 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 to people. I mean, let's see, uh, Cox and Clary this week. Uh, obviously, there's some Tony Elliott video from, from this weekend. Um, obviously UVA baseball to, as I mentioned, um, Damon is, is killing it on that front and then lots of recruiting stuff, lots of visits, lots of, uh, of content out there for you to partake in. I want to thank myperfectfranchise.net for their support of the website and of the show. You can visit myperfectfranchise.net right now for more information on how you can find freedom in your next venture and f- discover the perfect franchise for you. And I also want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show, giving us a listen, downloading, following, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Following, not subscribing now. Um, we, we very much appreciate that. And I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously their time. I appreciate that as well. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CavsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.